This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Good day. What a week in the state capitol in Lansing, Michigan. Even though only one bill of any real substance got passed, there was all sorts of stuff going on, mainly related to auto insurance rate reform and a criminal charge against a sitting legislator. Uh, Let me talk about the auto insurance rate reform effort that's ongoing in the Capitol right now. Uh, Last week, I think as everybody knows, uh, we talked about it on the program. We had the State House of Representatives and the State Senate passing with lightning-like speed separate plans on reforming Michigan's auto insurance rate system, so-called no-fault system that we've had since the 1970s. We're the only state in the country with a no-fault system set up with unlimited coverage for catastrophic accidents uh, that befall motorists. And rates have risen so high that we're arguably and statistically, I guess, proven to be the highest, most expensive state in the country for auto insurance. It has become the number one issue for majority Republicans in the legislature, and frankly, uh, Democrats in the legislature feel pretty much the same way. But they are somewhat compromised uh, in what they outline. These are the House and Senate Democrats by what Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat, would like to see on auto insurance rate reform if she is really that focused on it, and she has not been to this point uh, until the last couple of weeks. She's concentrated on fixing the damn roads, I think, as everybody knows. But the House Democrats um, this past week outlined their own auto insurance reform plan, Uh, that will lower insurance rates, they claim, by 40% without reducing accident coverage. Uh, However, I would say that whatever Governor Whitmer decides to do with the two bills that have passed the House and Senate and that could be sent to her desk any day, they're not going to be sent now this past week because the legislature is recessed until next Tuesday, uh, That is what is really going to determine uh, going forward if auto insurance rate reform really happens. In other words, there's going to have to be some kind of negotiated deal between the House and Senate versions. They'll have to be ironed out, differences between them and Governor Whitmer, so that all three agree on what should be signed into law. Otherwise, the governor has said she will veto anything that the House and Senate has sent her as of the bills they passed last week. In other words, will they possibly modify what they passed last week in order to obtain Governor Whitmer's support? So that's ongoing, and whatever she decides with the two leaders 
of the House and Senate. That's Speaker Lee Chatfield, a Republican of Levering, and Senator Mike Shirky, the majority leader in the Senate from Clark Lake and Jackson County. Uh, whatever they decide, uh, the House and Senate Democrats are basically just going to have to go along with it because the governor, their governor, has supported it. Now, uh, that is ongoing behind the scenes. There were no votes taken formally on the House and Senate floor either days. Um, this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they met. But um, another piece of news came out that was a bombshell, and that is a grand jury uh, indicted State Representative Larry Inman, a Republican of Williamsburg, which is near Traverse City, on charges of attempted extortion, bribery, and lying to the FBI. This happened in United States District Court. Uh, Larry Inman, who represents the 104th District, which consists of Grand Traverse County, is accused of seeking payment from members of the Michigan Regional Council of Carpenters and Millwrights in 2018, that's last year, by text. Uh, in text messages in exchange for a no vote on repealing the state's prevailing wage law. In several texts uh, detailed in the indictment, Representative Inman asks for the uh, Carpenters Union members to increase their contributions to him in exchange for blocking the repeal, adding at the end of the text, quote, we never had this discussion, unquote. Uh, the Carpenters and Millwrights did not make additional contributions to Inman, and he ended up voting yes on the repeal in a very close 56 to 53 vote that successfully repealed the law. The charges contain, uh, excuse me, the charges continue that when an FBI agent confronted Inman about the text and asked if he had communicated with the Carpenters and Millwrights to solicit contributions uh, in exchange for his vote, Inman denied having any such communications, uh, although now the texts have surfaced. And frankly, uh, Inman admitted in a radio talk show this week that he had sent them, but he said they were misinterpreted and taken out of context. And he says he's innocent of these charges, and he will not resign. But if he is eventually convicted, whether he is out of the legislature or not, Inman could face up to 20 years in prison on the extortion charge and 10 years and five years, respectively, on the bribery and lying to the FBI charges. So we'll see how this plays out. Already, Speaker Lee Chatfield has removed Inman from his committees, uh, they basically kicked him out of his Capitol office, and that office has been taken over by House staff. Uh, one bill, uh, or I should say actually two bills, uh, passed this week, Senate Bills 106 and 155, which would ban the sale of e-cigarettes to minors and prevent individuals under 18 from possessing vaping products in Michigan. Uh, the number of teenagers who use e-cigarettes, according to studies, has increased dramatically over the past few years, prompting parents, teachers, and law enforcement officers to reach out to the legislature with concerns. Uh, 
uh, three years ago, the legislature actually passed a bill that was sent to Governor Snyder to sign, remarkably similar to the two bills that passed this week. And somewhat surprisingly, Governor Snyder vetoed it because he didn't feel that it was in sync with recommended uh, recognition from the Centers of Disease Control in Atlanta on what constitutes nicotine and various health protocols. He said, there's another way to do this. Send me another bill. Well, the legislature never sent him anything more until this week. And frankly, what they have now sent to Governor Whitmer is remarkably similar to what Governor Snyder vetoed three years ago. So we'll see what her reaction is. But right now, it's estimated that one in five Michigan high school students reported having used an e-cigarette during the previous 30 days. Uh, Interestingly, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration bans the sale of e-cigarettes to those under 18, but Michigan state law does not. And legislators are arguing that 20th century tobacco regulations are insufficient when it comes to dealing with the new products on the market today. Uh, This legislation passed, by the way, almost unanimously with heavy support from both uh, Democrats and Republicans. So it's not a partisan issue. So let's see what happens on that. And we're going to have a guest later in the program to talk about this. I'll be back in a minute. Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back and we've got a very special guest, Senator Eric Nesbitt of the 26th Senate District. And that includes, if I'm not mistaken, Van Buren County, Allegan County, and southeast corner of Kent County. Is that correct, Senator Nesbitt? Yeah, Gaines and Kentwood, kind of more south-central Kent County. There you go. Uh, I'd just like to mention that uh, Senator Nesbitt is chairman of the Regulatory Reform Committee in the Senate, and I think he's a member of six other committees. I think he's chairman of the Appropriations Subcommittee on Licensing and Regulation. Is that correct? Licensing and Regulatory uh, Affairs and uh, Department of Insurance and Financial Services. There you go. Appropriations and then uh, on Energy and Tech, Insurance and Banking, Vice Chair of uh, the Finance Committee on Advice and Consent, Government Ops, and uh, yeah, so Boy, and that... Senate and Senate President Pro Temp. So, oh my busy, gosh, uh, you we, we got a busy term here. You certainly do, and uh, more importantly, uh, at least for what's going on in the state capitol right now, you are the prime sponsor of Senate Bill One. Why don't you explain what that is and where you think it's going right now? Yeah, Senate Bill 1 passed with a strong bipartisan support last week uh, from the state Senate. It was the uh, first bill that was introduced in the state Senate, and it's usually given the Senate Majority Leader, but uh, uh, Senator Shirky wanted me to take the lead on it. And the whole point of the legislation is to lower the cost of auto insurance for Michigan. As we know, Michigan is the highest in the nation auto insurance uh, rates in the nation, uh, nearly twice the average of the, of the national average. 
a lot to do with our one in the nation, only one on limited lifetime medical benefits that's mandated that every driver has to purchase. Only insurance products really have no choice in terms of the kind of coverage that, uh, that you have. And so I worked with uh, Senator Tice and Senate Majority Leader uh, Shirky over the last several months uh, to really get the finer details of the legislation down. And, and last week, uh, the Senate passed with all 22 Republicans supporting it, two uh, Democrats supporting it, 24 to 14 out of the Senate. And really the main component of the legislation is, one, it provides full choice for the drivers in terms of the level of personal injury protection, the PIP coverage that you have. Two, it stops the overcharging, the price gouging the medical providers have been doing to our auto insurance victims uh, on the roads where they're paying four, five, ten times as much for the same procedure. Three, it roots out the uh, problems with uh, trial lawyers that are in the current system that are really driving up the cost and and our auto insurance here in Michigan. No fault is supposed to lessen the number of uh, lawsuits that are happening. But when you have a system right now so broken where even the trial lawyers are opposed to going to a full tort system, you know how challenging a system that you uh, that we have. And then it also uh, goes ahead and provides more transparency, more oversight of the MCCA, and takes out um, 80% of the MCCA charge right away and phases out the full charge of the MCCA over uh, over time. So those are the main aspects of, of the legislation, along with instituting the strongest anti-fraud, anti-insurance, car insurance fraud task force possible. That's through the uh, Michigan State Police having dedicated troopers there to take on uh, auto insurance fraud on all angles, whether it's insurers, whether it's whether it's uh, false claims or whether it's medical providers. So those are the main points of the legislation. Uh, the House uh, last Thursday passed similar legislation, but taking into account a lot of the governor's concerns with the Senate bill. Uh, and within hours of passage of each bill, the governor issued veto threats instead of working to sit down on, on differences and finding ways to provide real relief for drivers here in Michigan. But now, apparently, uh, Governor Whitmer's had maybe a slight change of heart, right? Uh, she said she's willing to be a little bit flexible on PIP, personal injury protection. And instead of sending her the bill, uh, the House and Senate apparently is holding off until next week to see whether they can negotiate some kind of a compromise with the governor and send her something that she could sign. What do you think about that? Yeah, the uh, Senate Majority Leader and the uh, Speaker of the House have been working overtime over the last week, uh, meeting with the administration, meeting with the governor, uh, working out the uh, the details to see if we can get to a landing point of after 40 years of discussion. I mean, heck, you were, they were talking about it when you were in the state Senate 40 years ago, right? And and trying to actually get to a point of providing real relief for the drivers in Michigan. And that's really the main cost drivers in Michigan is the fact that we're the only state in the nation where you have no choice in the level of personal injury protection. And from that, you have medical providers that are really price gouging auto accident victims uh, when they when they come in. So what do you think the chances are you're going to get a compromise with the governor? I, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily a betting man, even being a former lottery commissioner. I, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's something where I I believe that my hope is that there's that there's real chance. The I know the 
Shirky and Speaker Chatfield uh, would not have holding out hope and wait and uh, being in negotiations. They didn't believe that there is a solid chance that we can get this policy right, that we can compromise and find a way to find ways to do real rate reduction. The challenges of the initial uh, arguments last week from uh, my governor, from this administration, was, was ways to shift costs within the system instead of actually bringing down the cost for drivers, families, and seniors here in Michigan. So uh, you think her willingness to look at personal injury protection uh, choice is promising? So, yes. I mean, people ask, well, what do they do in other states? Well, in 34 other states, there's no minimum level of tips that's mandated by state law. So 34 other states, there's no mandatory minimum for medical coverage or PIP under state law. You're required to have have health insurance right now. So, I mean, that's already a you know federal requirement that's, that's there. And then in 15 other states, the minimum level, mandated minimum level of coverage goes from $1,000 in New Hampshire to $50,000 in New York. And so those are the minimum levels that, all the other states have in terms of what what the level of coverage actually is. Right. Shifting gears a little bit, I'm a completely different subject. You're uh, an expectant father uh, within 10 days. Maybe your firstborn, right? Our firstborn, uh, due Memorial Day, uh, had a doctor's appointment yesterday afternoon, so I took out from Lansing a little early yesterday to be part of that doctor's appointment. Uh, We're... uh, we're within uh, we're within days, if not a week, of uh, of our firstborn. So I'm I'm excited. My wife is uh, excited. Never know if we're ever 100 percent truly ready, uh, but uh, I spent uh, between uh, the election and uh, being sworn in, painting the nursery, getting the nursery ready. I think we're we're as ready as we can be. And I, I'm you know giving my wife massages, uh, foot rubs, whatever possible to provide <laughs> comfort in these waning days. Uh, God bless. Uh, She's a superwoman, a beautiful lady that uh, is really uh, powering through and uh, love her a lot. Well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, you're going to have your hands full, not only with a new baby, but all this legislation. Uh, congratulations on uh, your uh, impending fatherhood. Thank you very much, Senator Eric Nesbitt. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned with still another perspective on auto insurance rate reform. And our guest to talk about that is Representative Joe Bellino. Uh, He is a Republican from the 17th House District. Now, this district is, if I've got it correct, I think parts of Wayne and Monroe County. It's got the cities of Flat Rock, Monroe, and Rockwood. I think it's got all or part of uh, the following townships. I think there's seven of them, uh, Ash and Berlin and Exeter and Frenchtown, yep. London, Monroe, and Sumter. Is that correct, Representative correct. Joe Bellino? Correct, in the city of Monroe. Yep, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's got a lot of rural areas. What's some nice little villages in the city of Monroe, the city of Flat Rock. 
But we're, I, I, I categorize us as a blue-collar, pro-life town. And, and people work hard, and they have nothing. They're, people don't have a problem with a safety net, but they want you to work for what you're going to get. So I, I have a pretty blue-collar town, and people are pretty good people. By the way, I think you are chairman of the Energy Committee in the House. Is that correct? Yes, I am. And in my district, I'm proud to say we produce more power than any district in the whole state. Wow. I didn't know that. That's amazing. We have Uh, uh, the biggest coal burner uh, this part of Mississippi, or one of the two biggest coal burners. And it's one of the cleanest coal burners in America. They spent uh, $1.8 billion on it the last six years of a new system cleaning it up and taking almost everything out of it except for water vapor. And then I have the uh, Fermi uh, 2 nuclear plant. Boy, you've got it all. Um, I'll mention also. I've seen your video, Bo and Joe. I like that. <laughs> we got, you know what? We got to take down the road. We got to talk about a lot of stuff. We, gotta, we, we should pick a subject out and ride around town and do that. Bo's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, so that's. We're from, we're, we're from different generations, uh, and he's from Uper, and I'm down southeast Michigan, but uh, he's a good guy. So. Yeah, that's Representative Bo LaFave from uh, Iron Mountain in the Upper Peninsula, and Joe Bellino. Uh, from the 17th House District downriver uh, into Monroe County. Well, look, let's just talk a, a little bit. Uh, we don't have long about auto insurance rate reform um, and where it is right now in your estimation. I mean, I just uh, talked to uh, Senator Eric Nesbitt. We had him on, and he described it from his perspective. And I'm just curious, uh, how do you look at the situation now, and what are the prospects going forward, particularly uh, next week when you guys come back into session, your recess now? Uh, supposedly, uh, Mike Shirky, the Senate Majority Leader, and House Speaker Chatfield are working with Governor Gretchen Whitmer to come up with some kind of a compromise between what she would accept from the legislature on auto insurance rate reform and what you guys have passed so far. So how do you look at it? Well, I, no, I, see, I see us coming back Tuesday, and we'll have an idea whether we're going to get it done Tuesday or Wednesday or not. And, and I told the Speaker what I think, and it's just my feelings. If she doesn't, if we don't have any kind of a hard agreement by Tuesday, let's roll the dice. Let's take our bill and let's give it to her. And if she vetoes it, then she vetoes it. But I'm sick of hearing people say, Bill, that you've had the Republicans have been in control. You could have changed this. For the first time ever, we've got unanimous Republican support. For the first time ever, CPAN doesn't run, you know, 20% of our caucus like it runs 80% of their caucus. And for the first time ever, people are making a decision based on, and this is, this is the key, based on your vote could cost you an election. Look at the last election. I, I count six or seven people that could have won their races if they'd have voted on auto insurance reform, and they didn't. And that was six or seven more votes would have got us a lot closer and they didn't, and they lost their primary or they lost their race because current auto insurance reform bill is, is like the measles. It started at the border because we saw what our border our states were getting and what they were paying, and it's going up through the whole state, and the whole state is upset now. We have a, a system that's untenable, a system that's a spiral out of control, somebody said last week, and a system we can't afford. Bill, why does my 80-year-old father have Medicare, have a Blue Cross Blue Shield supplement for my mom and dad, for four eighty a month, and pay hundreds of dollars of PIP coverage on their auto insurance and MCCA fee when he's eighty years old. That's, that doesn't make any sense to the common person we talked about it. And you know, the common person will say, "Well, it's your fault." Well, no, it's not our fault. We are trying to make changes. We are. We have a. We've instituted a fee schedule in our bill. We've instituted fraud reform. We've instituted a lot of things 
They can save us all a lot of money, like a tenant care, like a sign claims. And that's what we got to do. If we're going to save money, we've got to change the basic system. Well, I think there are a lot of people out there that agree with you, Representative, no question about it. But strangely, uh, Governor Whitmer really didn't talk much about auto insurance rate reform in her campaign for governor. No, she didn't. No, she she didn't. talked and, about and, and fixing remember, the damn road. Look, look at the tape of the first debate, I think, and she had a four-point plan, which wouldn't save us a damn dime. Uh, so I knew she, wasn't, she didn't care about it. And it's the number one item on people's list when you go door to door. I don't care what anybody says. It's the number one item. It's not schools. It's not the road, the damn roads or darn roads. It's auto insurance because it affects everybody. And the more people that don't pay, the more we pay. So it's a vicious cycle, and it's got to be stopped. Yeah, well, uh, apparently she's seen the light or gotten the message or something well, related. Well, polling, Bill. I, I saw a poll two weeks ago, uh, 600 phone calls uh, uh, with all types of, of uh, uh, geography, all types of income, and all political parties are independent. And it, the polling was almost the same in every demographic. 85 to 90 percent, 82 to 90 percent, 81 to 86 percent, almost all the same. They want and demand change. Now, I, I told the speaker, let's roll the dice. I mean, let's kill her 45-cent gas tax, because that's polling at 20 percent, and then tell people she killed our auto insurance reform, which would save you 1000 bucks or so or whatever family, depending on what kind of family you have, save you that much money. She did this. We tried it, and I rolled the dice, let's run 2020 on those two things, and I think we get seats back. And she knows that. Well, Representative, the governor has uh, indicated all of a sudden, uh, for the first time, she was willing to be flexible on uh, PIP, personal injury protection, mm-hmm. on the rates, mm-hmm. and uh, that gives some hope, doesn't it? That you know, that, it, that, Yes, that, that, it, it gives us hope, and I'm really happy that they finally read the bills, which is good. It, makes, it gives us hope. But what people forget, and, it, and I don't want to be egotistical, but I was Senator Nesbitt and the team at the House quit spending money on my race. They spent a few thousand dollars in the middle of October and said, look, Joe, you're down 9 to 11 points. Work hard. Try to make it close. The Dems, <laughs> the Dems didn't spend a dime on my race, Bill. And I took 15 grand of my personal money, put it in my account, and read, ran full-page ads in the two papers, ran radio, ran uh, droplet, on auto insurance and built in, in my opponent's idea of changing of getting reform, his quote was in the paper, we should enforce the laws in the books for driving with no insurance and maybe increase the penalty for driving with no insurance. Everyone knew that was a crock of shit. Everyone knew they were gonna save money. And I end up winning by seven points. And I say it's because of auto insurance. Well, that, that's quite amazing, uh, particularly the kind of year it was for the Republicans around the state. You are uh, a tremendous success story, and as you say, it was a winning issue, obviously, in your race. And you say other representatives might have had similar success if they had just run on that issue or voted, uh, you know, as they should have on this bill, right? We would have have another senator in Oakland County on the Republican side. Uh, Tommy Barrett used it hard. Uh, Look at the primaries. People lost primaries that voted no on the bill. Uh, One of them was a rep from Detroit. Some were reps from the west side of the state. Uh, you know, they, they, they voted the wrong way on the issue. They voted with the hospitals. And I have no problem with taking care of the hospitals. I think there's some negotiations going on there. But the payout schedule they get now is untenable. We can't, we can't afford it. We can't keep it up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get even worse. And I saw a stat the other day. Someone said, if we don't make changes, the MCA fee in 15 years is going to be 1000 bucks a car. Who can afford that? No, I- We've got to have major change. 
Yeah, and and I will say this: if if the governor does um, show flexibility to the extent of you know personal injury protection, she's talking about now, you'd be willing to accept that tweaking of either the House or Senate bill in order to get something passed. Yeah, Is that no, correct? I, I want I want the governor to have a win on this. If she, you know what you know what I said last week, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm doing this, but I said last week if she signs our bill, she's an eight-year governor. The first time in almost 40 years someone's been able to change it, and she could take, and I don't care, she could take all the precedent that she wants. She's an eight-year governor. If she doesn't sign it, you're in a tough road to hold next election. Right. Well, listen, you've done a great job explaining the situation. I want to thank you, Representative Joe Bellino of the 17th House District, Monroe, and part of Wayne County. Thank yep. you so much, Representative Bellino. Thanks, babe. Thanks, babe. Have a good day. MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we've got another state senator. We had Senator Eric Nesbitt earlier. We had Representative Joe Bellino. Now we've got Senator Rick Outman, and he is a Republican from Six Lakes, which is up in northern Montcalm County, and he's got a Big district uh, landmass. I mean, he's got five counties west of Saginaw, northeast of Grand Rapids. He's got Montcalm County, Gratiot, Isabella, Macosta, and Clare counties. Um, he is chairman of Environmental Quality Committee in the Senate. I think he's also uh, a member of three other uh, committees and appropriations subcommittees. Uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but Senator Rick Outman, welcome to the Political Insider. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Okay. I want to ask you about your bill. Um, What is it, Senate Bill 106, or was yours 155? Mine was 106. 106, and they are bills, these two bills, uh, to ban the sale of e-cigarettes to minors and prevent individuals under 18 from possessing vaping products in Michigan they were uh, passed overwhelmingly, I think, in the Senate and House um, this past week, and they're on their way to the governor. And uh, I'm just going to ask you, uh, what is the background on this? Uh, what do you have to tell us about these bills? Okay. Well, um, I actually started this journey back when I was a state representative back in 2013, and I had um, – it was one bill then – I can't remember the number of it, but uh, and then it passed, just like now, it passed unanimously in the Senate, which this package of bills did too. Passed overwhelmingly in the House, just like this package of bills. Made it to the governor's desk in 2013, and, and Governor Snyder vetoed it. So we thought we'd take another bite at the apple because, um, you know, we're the only state in the nation that doesn't have criminal penalties associated with minors using vaping products. So that's kind of where we're at. It's, it's pretty simple. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to keep vaping products out of the hands of kids. That's it in a nutshell. I also want the containers, uh, and then that's Senator Bullock's portion of it. We want the containers to um, be childproof so that we don't have any inadvertent um, exposures by, by children to um, drinking the liquid nic- uh, nicotine products. You know, sometimes they're flavored. They're in 
containers that might attract kids, and, and uh, we just want to make it so that they don't have access to it. Um, Rep. Albert in the house, he actually ran a concurrent package with this, uh, so we've been working closely together on this. Well, as I remember it, Senator Rick Jones, uh, now term limited out of office, but he was the sponsor of the bill that Governor Snyder vetoed that you were referring to. And I'm, I'm curious, what were his reasons for vetoing it? Can you explain those? Because a lot of people couldn't understand it. Yeah, I, I think the big thing was, um, I think he felt that because the um, federal government had classified bathing products as tobacco products, he didn't want to be inconsistent with federal law. And I think that there are probably some, some maybe tobacco monies that would come along with identifying this as a tobacco product. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I know that we do have some groups that you would think would be on board with this, such as the uh, Heart and Lung Association and the Cancer Society, who have opposed this because we're not labeling it as a tobacco product. And I think that's where the, where the problem um, was. But my problem with it is um, I don't know how to label something that isn't. I mean, I know they do it, but. It just seems a little odd to label something that's a tobacco product that's not a tobacco product as tobacco, um, you know, because nicotine, um, although a derivative of tobacco, isn't tobacco. And, and it would seem to me it'd be a little inconsistent to label this as a tobacco product when we don't label Nicorette gum as a tobacco product, although it contains nicotine. We don't label the patch as a tobacco product although it contains nicotine. And also, with these vaping products, these, these utensils that they use to vape, um, there are a lot of other things that they can put in them, and especially with the legalization of recreational marijuana. What I want is children, kids, minors, to not have access, to not legally have access to these, these vaping utensils so that no matter what they put in it, when they're doing it, it's illegal. So that was the thought process. Let me get ahead of emerging things by just making the whole shooting match illegal. Well, let me ask you, do you feel that your bills this time differ substantially from the bill that Senator Jones got enacted uh, back, you know, five years ago that Governor Snyder vetoed, uh, or, you know, is it pretty much the same legislation? You're just hoping for a different result from a different governor. Well, don't forget that um, this current governor, Governor Whitmer, as a senator, voted yes on my legislation. My legislation passed the Senate unanimously back in 2013, and uh, so we have her on record as voting for it. So obviously she, she agrees with it. Um, and also, the one thing that we did differently on our legislation, and I, I guess I don't know the details of Senator Jones' legislation, but on our prior legislation, we specifically said that this was not a tobacco product. We were silent on that in this one. We don't preclude anyone in the future from saying that it's a tobacco product. It just isn't part of my bill. I just I wanted to make it simple. Keep these devices out of the hands of kids and, and the nicotine, too. But, so hopefully... Um, this governor um, is consistent with a prior vote and, uh, and signs a bill. Yeah, a 
according to statistics, I cited these earlier, uh, one in five Michigan high school students reported having used an e-cigarette during the previous 30 days. And uh, the Centers for Disease Control claim that vaping nicotine can harm adolescent brain development and lead to addiction. Uh, Many vaping products also contain, what is it, diacetyl? Uh, which is commonly associated with popcorn lung, a condition that damages airways. I mean, can you tell us about some of the dangers here? Some people claim that vaping, though, is a way to wean people away from smoking. Uh, And it certainly can. You know, it's like any any emerging technology, even the Internet. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad things, but... Same way here. I mean, we have vaping shops in my area who, and one particular owner that I talked to, he, he freely admitted that he has a very obsessive, compulsive, addictive personality. He said it's something that's my, my cross to bury, for la- or to carry, for lack of a better term. And he said, and so I know the weight of that. And he said, so his goal, he says, my goal is to run myself out of this. Um, he actually does not sell, not only does he not sell to minors, according to him, and I'm going to take him at his word, he does not sell to people who don't smoke. His, he, go, he sells to people who are trying to either use this as an alternative to smoking or actually use it as a smoking cessation tool. And what he tells me is he's got different gradations of, of his, um, they're one-time use things instead of refillables, but he's got different gradations of, of potency with, with the nicotine, and and I don't remember the numbers, but his goal would be to bring you down to zero. Now, if you still wanted to you know, have that feeling of smoking without actually having any nicotine, that's fine, but he would love to bring you to zero. He said, usually I bring people on the average halfway down from the full potency of a cigarette to zero nicotine. He said, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, but even then, even if it's just a smoking alternative, there are a lot of people who would argue that it is safer than, than cigarettes. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I'm sure that more studies are going to come forward. But, um, but again, some people do utilize this as a smoking cessation tool, much like Nicorette gum or the patch. We're almost out of time. I just want to ask you, you're chairman of Environmental Quality. you got some other legislation you're particularly interested in uh, over in the Senate? Yeah, you know, the, the big issue in my area right now is, in water quality is, is certainly PFAS. Uh, we have one school, a middle school in, in our county, in Montcalm County, that had uh, PFAS levels at, I think, 62 parts per trillion. So it was, it was approaching that 70 mark that, that the previous administration and, and the DEQ had put forward as kind of your the number to look out for, try to stay below 70. They're crowding that, and and studies are showing that maybe that number ought to be lowered anyway. So they've had to actually drilled a new well. But that's a big issue. are big. All right. Well, listen, uh, Senator Rick Outman, uh, Republican of Six Lakes in Montcalm County, uh, you've been a great guest. You've explained your legislation very well. We'll see what Governor Whitmer does with it. You would think she'd sign it, but you never know with these governors. Sometimes they That's do true. strange things. You know? yep. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Appreciate it.